Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Right Perspective. Today, we're going to recap and review the 1984 thriller, sci-fi, horror film, Firestarter. In one place, I even saw this as an action film. What is it? Maybe we That's so many, that. so many genres. <laughs> I think it kind of covers all of them. It is a little bit it of all of them. It kind of does. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because, uh, you know, it's based on Stephen King's 1980 novel of the same name. And... I was looking at a little interview of his from when they were making the movie. And he was like, you know, I don't like to, you know, pick a genre. I just call them stories. You know? So, nice. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I like that. So, you know, let's get into it. But before we do, let's really, as a community, take a minute and subscribe. Bloop! Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that them subscribing? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Bloop! Beep, you must gotta. You must have an update. I think. <laughs> I don't think everyone else. It yeah. maybe sounds like a bell. I don't know. We now have, we now have another little person on the podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, clearly, the cutest member of the Right Perspective <laughs> podcast team. Our guest star. It's our guest Hi, star. It's my little six and a half month old daughter, Skylar. Listen, the microphone on that headphone. I know Brittany really loves Skylar because she let that slide. So what you calling her? You calling Skylar the cutest on the? (laughs) She she, she let that slide. In twenty twenty, in twenty twenty three, I've worked on my vanity. (laughs) Now twenty twenty four, I don't know. (laughs) We'll see in a few weeks. (laughs) We'll see in a few weeks. Well, she's going to sit with us for a little while. Let's see. Let's see what happens here. You know, um, we're playing jazz. Normally, she just likes to listen to the podcast on the back end and then give it, give us feedback. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the last time she typed a comment, I've been meaning to ask her because it was just a series of letters. Yeah. I didn't know what was happening. It was a series of letters. She does that. She likes to be mysterious. Ah, okay. She likes to be mysterious. Cryptic. I like it. Um, <laughs> so we, what we were talking about before Skylar asked to join us um, <laughs> was about the fact that, um, you know, fi- like we it were talking about the, the genre yeah. and how this movie is so, <laughs> the movie is so many genres. You know, and it's hard to kind of box it in. And Stephen King didn't want to box it in. He said, he said, I just write stories. You know, yeah. Um, so anyway, and he writes I, very scary stories. It's like <laughs> we need a rom com, Steve. Do y'all what know Stephen going? King's stuff? Though? <laughs> like, are y'all do y'all know Stephen King's books and movies? He's 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 Stephen King is one of those that is more prevalent than I think I realize mm-hmm. uh, because it's like yeah, a yeah. lot of times you'll watch something or see something or, or and it'll be like, oh, this is based on yes. yeah. a, a Stephen King. And even when it's not, sometimes it was inspired, inspired. by, you know, like, yes. you know, the person will say, I was a Stephen King fan, you know, so yes. I think he has a, I mean, he's, we all know who Stephen King is, yes. but I'm just saying, I think his impact is probably bigger than Absolutely. Most I'm going to read the first the first okay. two sentences of his Wikipedia, okay? Okay. Stephen Edwin King is an American author of horror, supernatural, fiction, suspense, crime, science fiction, and fantasy novels. Called the King of Horror, his books have sold more than 350 million copies as of 2006. That makes sense. And many have been adapted into films, television series, miniseries, and comic books. 
That's amazing. I, and then I could go on. I mean, it's like because <sighs> I think the one of the movies I saw, I think it's um, and I'm looking it up because I want to say it right. The Mist. I think that it was based off of. Yeah, yeah. I think it was based off of one of his books, The Mist. Mm -hmm. Like, what I appreciate about Stephen King is that he doesn't just, and and to all of the people who write the scripts and the directors, because I have never read one of his books. So I'm like, if the movies is interesting, the book probably has you up at night with Mm -hmm. all the lights on. You know it does. And so (laughs) I was thinking to myself just the, how he makes you think more than, like you're being scared, but you're also thinking like, could this really be happening right now? Mm. Is you know? So I I appreciate that, and the, so I remember the Miss being one of my favorite movies that have been adapted by um like from one of his books. So mm-hmm. and when I mm-hmm. used to work in a library, his his section I used to be a page. His section was one of the larger sections. You know, putting those books together it was easy to find the Stephen King section. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, just so many books. Yeah, so, and also I feel like I feel like airports are all about Stephen King. Like you go to any of the airport little bookstores. <laughs> a little, it's yeah. like Stephen King Central. They it's just perfect. have it all. It sells. It must sell. It's you know, great. People must love it. Scare yourself before you get on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> Scare the bejesus out of myself before I get on the plane. <laughs> it's a <good> strategy. <laughs> well, so Firestarter, um, and it's so funny, he also has a reputation for participating in the creation of the movies and then not liking the movies. <laughs> So I saw that in two different places where they were like, he never liked any of his movies, but he helps make them. (laughs) So like, for example, in the movie we're going to discuss today, Firestarter, it was his idea for the, um, the little gore character's hair to flow in like the wind whenever she was about to start a fire, but then he didn't like it. (laughs) But it was his idea. Well, let me let you know this up, Stevie K. If that was your idea, it it knocked it out of the park. It did a good job. When so that girl, because about- when her hair start flying, it's on. It's All on. Right? Oh, that's oh, how we know. You see that little bead of sweat? Ooh. It's a wrap. <laughs> it start flying. I said, listen, there she was no wind in that room. Yeah. Because <laughs> in my in my mind, I have a sequel for this movie that I've had for like twenty years. Uh-oh. here we go. Ooh, and I can't wait to hear about it. This. Involves, it involves um, uh, Charlie being. She's grown up now, and now she's an arsonist. But she's Whoa. like a, but she's a, she's a very specialized arsonist. You know, like at this point, she has just mastered her powers. And what makes her so great is because she could commit the most destruction without leaving casualties. And I, I don't really know where the movie would go with that wow. after that. But the point I'm trying to say is is that I've always thought there would be this big, huge story that happened, but she usually has her hair tied back for the whole movie. So like the whole movie, they'll talk about it, the hair is just <laughs> in a bun or something like that. But after the whole arc happened and we're at the end, somehow her hair just ended up out. And when she was about to do that last thing, that, that hair, hair just started blowing. I'm just telling you know right now, the theater would go, Crazy. Yes. 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 Uh, You heard that on the right perspective. Don't you dare. Okay. (laughs) Gotta go make that movie. (laughs) Y'all always be trying to steal our ideas. I already seen it happen once. 
<laughs> well, bro, what you came up with <laughs> actually sounds a little bit more interesting than what they, you know, they actually did do a follow-up. Did y'all know about this? It's a remake. Is that that one? I thought they did both. They did both. Oh, so, I, okay. I didn't know. I did not know they did a follow. -up. Okay, yeah, so first, let me get the little blurb on Firestarter. Really okay. Quickly. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, Firestarter we're just... again, based on a Stephen King uh, 1980 novel of the same name. It earned 17 million dollars on a budget of 15 million. It didn't really do that well. It didn't do that um, well. It was directed. I by mean, Mark give me Ellen. 15 million, but that's fine. Well, so that's really it's a two million dollar. You know, yeah, again, yeah. I'll take it. Give me um, two million. <laughs> but it was directed by Mark Lester, stars David Keith, Drew Barrymore, Martin Sheen, and George C. Scott. Other notable members of the cast include Freddie Jones, Heather Locklear, Art Carney, Louise Fletcher, and Moses Gunn. And frankly, y'all, when you start to look at the bios of these cast members, I mean, these are some award-winning folks here. Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. And so for some, the cast alone would be enough to consider this movie a classic. Uh, but today, we will determine whether it is a classic from the right perspective. We'll do a recap, we'll discuss the movie, and then we'll take a vote using a voting symbol picked especially for this discussion. But we gotta start with intros. Kick us off, bro. Hi, I'm Aubrey Wright, I'm the oldest. I'm Janaya Wright, I'm the middle. Hi, I'm Brittany Wright, and I'm the youngest. And I'm Skylar Jorsling, and I'm actually the youngest. <laughs> I've only been alive. I think I think the newest would be the best. I'm the newest. <laughs> oh my gosh! So y'all, so we were just talking about Aubrey's awesome idea for how to continue this story. So there was actually um, there was a mini series follow up to the film. It was two episodes on the sci-fi channel, okay? And it was called Firestarter Rekindled. And what? she was grown up in those. And so, bro, it was what you were talking about. It was the continuation. And then they also, that was in 2002. And then they also did a remake feature film, uh, which was released on May 13th, 2022. Yeah, I can't even get myself to watch it. I like, started like... watching the remake last night. Um, and I got about 15 minutes in. You know, it stars Zac Efron, and I was like, "As he, what? He's the he's the the dad." And I was just like, "Oh, you this can't." This is very like, interesting. My high school musical guy. I don't know. I'm struggling. <laughs> I love the way you sing and dance. I don't know about you in this part. Not that he was doing a bad job, but it was just like, what's happening? Um, and I mean, also, they didn't start in the action. You know, they were starting like at the house with the little girl like struggling with her identity. And then she goes to school and accidentally blows up a bathroom. And that's yeah. how the people get on the radar. And it's like, well, you know I think it's, I'm no. just sitting here thinking in my mind, I'm like, they can't possibly have this situation where it's like, we're chasing them. Cause I'm like, they clearly have cell phones and we can find you wherever we want. Like, well, like it's, it's <laughs> funny you should say that because her, her, um, her identity at school is Amish. And they, because they're pretending like they're Amish because they can't have any technology because they will get found. Mm. So they yes, don't have computers. They don't have cell phones as a family, even though it's like modern day, because they will get tracked. Wow. It's their way to stay off the grid, but give her some normalcy so she gets to go to school. But of okay. course, all the kids are now making fun of her because they think she's Amish. Right. And they're like, oh, weirdo. You don't have a... 
the teacher's like the teacher's like look this stuff up when you all get home and she's like i don't have a computer and the kids are like you're so weird you don't have a computer (laughs) i'm just i'm just saying i've always wanted a fire starter remake yeah i was so disappointed because the thing is i'm talking about shot for shot yeah like i i just would like to have seen what they could do with, yeah. with the technology like like because they did I, I think the movie this podcast is going to be about finding out what Janai and Brittany think about Firestarter <laughs> right so I'm just saying I think it still stands up you know what I'm saying it, 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 like when you think about this movie was made in 84 yeah like it's, it, it, technology. it's, still, it's like that's what it, I'm saying. they, it, they but, didn't have CGI so those were actual fireballs, y'all. They were creating. Those were stuff. It looks like it. On fire. That's what I'm saying. They it, were it, actually doing those explosions. They literally had zero CGI. And and, and it's still and that and that kind of gives it a more. There's something about that. You know what I mean? That 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 just makes it still interesting to watch. And it, and it's funny because I I don't even know if I ever heard of CGI uh, might ruin it. Hmm. Well, I think it would it would it depend. Well. It, it would depend well. on how it was done, yeah. and it would depend on which shots should be practical, which shots should be, you know. And and I don't even know if I heard of the follow up. I, I probably will watch it, but like for me, if it's not Drew Barrymore, I, like I think it should be Drew Barrymore. Like I, I would, I would like to see yeah. Drew Barrymore like right now, like wow. like as as a mom. As the, however, because it would be even more interesting if she was just unassuming. Yeah. But it would just be like, I always thought the dopest opening scene would be like she's just walking, she's you know walking in her apart apartment or house. You don't see her, and like she's sipping tea, and it's just hot, you know. Or or and then like she walks by the fireplace and it just you know just yeah. she's just so in control of how yeah. she does it now. But it's like somebody you wouldn't even assume you know so i think it would even play well if it was i think it should still be drew barrymore just yeah. like there was this um episode like a, a jamie of, lee curtis situation in jason and halloween just kind of how like her house is a fortress <laughs> yeah but that that that, that was this. not yes but no that was the way they did it it was just you know but anyway I, I, but yes but not you know, it was more like there's this episode of the Twilight Zone, the original Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Twilight Zone has many iterations. But there was this one episode where there was a little boy in this town, and he had the whole town held hostage because he could make you disappear. It's just so like the Anytime whole. He had a tantrum. He oh, you saw get... it? Oh yeah, I've seen both. Oh, oh, we already talked about it then. I don't know. I think James might have showed it to me. Anyway, keep I don't, going. I don't know. Keep I don't going, know. We might have, it. it feels like we talked about it. Keep anyway. going. But anyway, they had a sequel like 20 years later, and it was still him. They brought you know the I mean? same actor. Yeah, it was the same actor. And I think that that's dope. Just like, have y'all ever seen um The Professional? No. Yes, with the um, he has a little girl with him, and he's like uh, a murderer. Um, yes, he's a, yeah. he's a hitman. Yeah. That's another one. I always thought, first of all, that's a phenomenal movie. It'd be interesting for us to maybe I, maybe I like put that, that on idea. there. That's a um, good, but have you seen that one since the professional? 
Yes, what? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. But I'm saying it would be dope to see her, but only if it was Natalie Portman. That's the only way I would want to see it. Yes. Because I have several ideas for that movie as well. But I'm just saying, yeah. Let me tell you all. And again, I didn't watch the miniseries. It was a two episode miniseries. And it's on on Amazon. Because I'm going to watch it. I just didn't have time to look at it. Um, So the remake and the two series from the sci-fi, the two episodes from the sci-fi channel, they're both on Amazon. Um, But so the premise for the follow-on that was on the sci-fi channel is that um, it turns out that John Rainbird, not dead. He, He just got burned. So he's still alive and he's still obsessed with Charlie. And he puts together a fake um, class action lawsuit and he um, hires someone to go and take like pretend lawsuit settlements to all of the remaining people who are alive that know about lot six. And it is his way to find Charlie. And he finds her through that fake settlement of a class action lawsuit against the shop. And of course he's trying to kill her, you know, and um, you know, and, and the other thing that he's done is that he has continued working on the experiments. So that's that's where you lost me. They yeah, make a- him somehow like a, I don't know. Based on the write up, it's like he's continued the lot six experiment. Wow. And there was nothing. I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna check it out. We saw that would make him want to do that, but yeah, because he anyway. was talking about dying. He wanted to like he was waiting for death. Yeah, and here's here's part of the blurb. Rainbow, he ends up um, essentially activating a bunch of children with it. And he's using the children to rob a bank, you know, because he's like testing out the ability to use them for warfare. You know, and then Charlie has to go and kind of like try to reprogram the children, let them know, no, he's using you for evil. That kind Actually, of Actually, that, that doesn't sound like a bad premise. Those okay. only two episodes. I hope the episode yeah, is one that hour like a- piece. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I, together I'll, they're 168 minutes. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. The but that's not what we're here to talk about today. minutes. Yeah, it was it was March of 2002. I think it's worth a look. Yeah, I'm gonna check it out. It never heard. I wish we had done it know. before this. You know. No, no, no. Discussion. It's 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 too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like yeah, I like you, that. We you want us it, to watch a million things at once? It's too much. But whatever that movie, whatever that movie, whatever that miniseries is. It would have been better with me and Drew Barrymore. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. At me well, it's and, such and a good writings, point when it's the same then, actress. And I just would, I wouldn't want, I would just, it would just be so dope. Like, I don't know how old she is now or whatever, but like, however old she is, yeah. whatever, I, like, just, it would just be interesting to just see a, that'd be like a non-traditional, you know, like action hero type situation, you know, that. Okay, well, Drew yeah. Barrymore, you heard it here on the right perspective. We would like for you That's to it. follow on. Okay, and bring me in so I can write it. That's we'll make right. it happen. <laughs> it will be. But that means we right have to write production. it, then bring it to her. Okay. That's it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Because That's let it. me just tell y'all, she still loves Firestarter. Because when the remake came out, she brought the little girl that was going to be playing Charlie onto the show, onto her talk show and everything. And it was really emotional for her. You know what I mean? Oh. It was like, oh my gosh, this this part that was her third movie. 
uh, of all time. And she's had a bajillion movies, you know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. It was her third movie ever. It was her first time kind of like carrying the whole movie. And um, then she and the it, next Drew. little girl that's going to be playing it. the character. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You did I love and that. I, I just, I, that's a lot of you pressure. Know, and that, and, and, yeah, and they were both I'm just saying, they were crying, like, oh, you know. So it was cute. But, but she did that movie. And like, in watching her as a little kid, you're like, okay, she's she's going to be something. <laughs> you know, like you can tell. Uh, anyway. So yeah. I and get, do you all know about her family's legacy? The Barrymore family? Yeah. Okay. Everyone in the world after you listen to this podcast, go and Google the Barrymore family and you will see that she has their all their actors, their generations oh, and generations okay. and generations of actors all gotcha. the way back to before they came to the United States as colonists. Like it's like- So a we got some nature and nurture wow. going on there. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. And it absolutely. Makes you know, so her parents sense. were acting, you know what I mean? Like she's she's got, she comes to it honestly, quite honestly. I love that. She's really yeah, good. it's really quite a legacy. They're like affiliated with Broadway and everything. Oh wow. Oh yeah. Huge, huge. So well, let's pick a voting symbol. Um, and we know whatever it is, Aubrey's obviously gonna give it for this movie. He's made that very clear. But let's see how me and Brittany pan out. No, no, no. I'm not saying the voting symbol. Oh, I'm just saying okay. I'm not going to act like I can't act like I don't love this movie. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's going to be very obvious in the things I say. Okay. So Excellent. I'm just saying what we're going very good. And I very much understand the point yes. of waiting to the end of it. Yes. I do not take away from that. I'm just saying it's just not gonna happen in this particular not today. case. Because I and I will also admit that I'm not um uh I'm not uh, uh, I'm biased because I mean you got figures eighty four. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm like, you know, six, seven, eight years old or whatever. And it used to come on television. And it used to come on TV yes. all the time. Yes. So it was just one of those movies that I got to see a lot, and then yes. I would watch every time. So I was interested. I was like, I wonder if I would still like it. Yeah. And yes, I did. Yeah, still love it. So, Brittany, do you remember it from back in the day? I remember this movie coming on TV every now and then, mm-hmm. but I really, when I was watching it, it was the first time. Mm-hmm. It was my first time really watching this movie. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was new. I it was definitely new remember it was on all the time, yeah. which is why when I started looking it up and it was called a horror movie, I'm like, it's no way that it indexes a serious horror because yeah. it would be on regular TV all the time. But you I'm know, sure and they I added remember some of the parts <laughs> When we were watching it, I, I remember no certain eyeballs. scenes, but not the whole, not the whole thing. I actually didn't remember the whole first part, and I liked it. I liked it. I liked the switch in tone yeah. and how it was like action. Then it like lawed out for a while. Yes, but it really let the characters build in my, you know, and so I liked that. So anyway, my symbol is not creative, <laughs> and it comes from. <laughs> My favorite part of the movie. Yes. Where, and my symbol is a fireball. Yes. Because so when them dudes is trying to shoot her, like, I, and I'm telling y'all, it's pretty lame. You know, like, I'm, I don't think it's Mar- lame. Mar- I think we don't even really have like, to discuss it. Marvel's looking at me like, <laughs> you're just, because 
I was so excited. I was like, oh, you got some machine guns there, huh? Yeah. And no one nice is that, is that, is that ball fire. You yeah, I really, bullets? I don't even feel like this is a discussion because I was going to say as well, fireball or just a flame, or what? I was going to say like her her yes. hair, like I, a wig flying. I think, flying. Oh, I think it is a discussion. Good. It's not a discussion. Fireball. We don't like it. Fireball. No, I do want to hear Janine's <laughs> over analytical. Th- that's no, because she's going to say something like, right. I don't she's going to be like, well, you a know, bell Charlie, of hay. <laughs> Charlie walked past the lamppost. I would like to go with the bell of hay. Charlie walked, Charlie and her dad walked past the lamppost <laughs> in the beginning. No, no. And the lamppost illuminated. No, you're only allowed to say what it is, but you are not allowed. No, to I want. I no, want, Brittany. I want. I want. I want the explanation. When I say what it is, it won't even need explanation because it's so good. Okay, <laughs> let's go. The plantation house. All right, we're done. I told you, we're out of here. We're out of here. We're so, out of here. If you see the movie Fireball, the, let's go. <laughs> the government. The government agency that is responsible for all of this. They're they're called the shop. And their headquarters is, it's like a plantation house. It looks like the White House. Yeah. And so it's one of these things about, it's something about the fact that it's hiding in plain sight. Mm. And everything appears normal, but it definitely isn't. It's just like, you're seeing this dad and daughter walking down the street. Little do you know, they can control your mind and blow you up. and it's just like this is just looks like a plantation house and it is literally a place where like weapons of mass destruction is is, and and, and assassins uh are being contemplated so there's something about the fact that um you know it something that appears normal but isn't um so much of what the charlie character wanted was to just be a normal little girl she says it. She's like, I want that more than anything. And if you looked at her, she was. She had the cutest, yeah. sweetest little demeanor. She was just a sweet little girl. But she had this power she had to learn to manage. Um, and so I thought the, the plantation house had that duality. That So we're, we're doing a fireball? <laughs> we're doing a fireball? Yeah, we're going with fireball. So <laughs> at the end of this podcast. But listen, though, like, I've been waiting to discuss no. the hidden things. Of, not hidden, but like. The larger conversation, I, and, of and, and, and you know, as as I do, you know, I will always joke Janaya's uh, <laughs> ideas. But the funny thing is, they're always they always make sense, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I After get what she, she explains said. them for twenty minutes. No, no, no but no. I get what she, I get no, what she no, 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 I get what she's saying. That's twenty minutes of your life. That's twenty minutes of your life. I love them. They're not the best twenty minutes for Scala though. Scala loved it too. She's like, you're a genius, mom. I know. (laughs) She tells me that all the time. What? It's a great idea? Okay. She liked it. (laughs) But Can you I, read the recap, please? I think she just thinks it's chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Can you read the recap, please? Yes, yes, that, definitely. So it, this movie will need to get three fireballs at the end of this discussion in order to be considered a classic from the right perspective. Okay, so let's do a quick recap. Spoiler alert. We've already given like 25 spoilers, but anyway. Eight million. And, <laughs> We always do a recap because our our content is generally quite old. So we do a recap and then you don't have to go back and watch it necessarily before the podcast. Um, So it just helps everybody stay on the same page. 
let's do a quick recap of the 1984 Firestarter, the original. The movie starts with a father, Andy McGee, played by David Keith, running through the streets of Washington, D.C., holding his eight-year-old daughter, Charlie, uh, Charlene, but goes by Charlie, played by Drew Barrymore. They're being chased by men in suits and cars that are clearly government agents of some sort. And through flashbacks, you learn what's going on. The father, Andy, and his late wife, Vicki Tomlinson, played by Heather Locklear, participated in a drug trial for money when they were in college. They were the only two that survived. The hallucinogen they were given was called Lot 6, and it essentially gave them superpowers, okay? So what is Lot 6? Well, I'm glad you asked. Okay, lot six was supposed to just be a powerful painkiller hallucinogen made from a synthetic copy of an extract of the pituitary gland that gives people the powers. That, so, you know, most people experience from time to time things like a little precognition. You know, we might call it deja vu, you know, telekinesis, mental domination. So that that particular pituitary fluid from that gland is what was uh, used for lot six. And as a result of it being given to Vicky and Andy, they now have superpowers. Vicky can read minds. Andy can control the minds of others. And he can apparently control some machines like a television. That was weird when they threw that little piece in. It was like, what? I thought you controlled people. Then he was <laughs> controlling a television. <laughs> and when they had a child, she was born with the ability to start fires with her mind. Okay, with her mind. In the mind. <laughs> and also sometimes she has premonitions. Okay. The government entity um, that controlled all of this is called the shop. And they've already murdered the wife, Vicky, a year ago. And now they want to get rid of Andy and capture their daughter, Charlie. They want to see if they can use Charlie as a weapon of mass destruction. Andy and Charlie managed to evade them by running down highways, mind controlling a cab driver played by Antonio Fargus, hitchhiking, and genuinely befriending a farmer couple named Irv and Norma Manders, played by Art Carney and Louise Fletcher. Along the way, you learn more about the complications they're experiencing. Over time, Andy's powers have started to take a toll on his body. Every time he controls someone's mind, he gets a nosebleed and becomes weak. And Charlie, for good reason, has very complicated feelings about all of this. She knows that it's not her fault that she has the powers, but she also knows that it's bad to burn things and people. Um, and so she understands also that the powers are the reason her mother is dead and the reason she and her father have been on the run for a year. She's tired of being afraid and she just wants to be a normal kid. Andy and Charlie make their way to the abandoned cabin of Andy's late father and prepare to go public with their story. They know that bringing the press in is their only chance of safety. Unfortunately, while mailing the letters, they are spotted by agents of the shop and a trained assassin named John Rainbird, played by George C. Scott, was deployed to capture them. And he is successful using a dart gun full of sedatives. Andy and Charlie are taken to the shop. They're put in separate holding rooms and forced to do experiments to show their superpowers. At first, Andy is not able to perform because they keep him drugged, but then he finds a way to stop taking the medicine and gain control of the head of the shop by taking control of his mind. And this, this character was played by Charlie Sheen. At first, little Charlie refuses to show her powers, but then she gets manipulated by Rainbird. 
who pretends to be a friendly janitor. And he basically tricks her into participating in the shop's exercises. And let me say, boy, does she, okay? She is blowing up cinder blocks, okay, with her mind, okay? <laughs> Finally, the father concocts a plan to get them out. Rainbird foils it by killing the father. But with his dying breath, Andy tells his daughter, burn it all down, baby. And boy, does she. Okay. She melts bullets that come near her. She throws fireballs to burn properties, cars, a helicopter, and a ton of bad guys. Okay. In the end, she returns to the farming couple. The only adults that she knows that she can trust because they know her story and were helpful to her and her father while they were on the run. The movie ends with Charlie and her new farmer guardians taking her to the New York Times building to expose everything. The end. Great job. Fantastic. (laughs) And so you can see why the fireballs, you can see why it's our voting symbol. Because it is the way that Charlie brings uh, the shop uh, to its knees. I mean, I want you to burn burn it all down. (laughs) Mm. bro i think you got to kick us off because of your clear enthusiasm here i just love that part so much (laughs) i just love that part and i just i think she just did such a good job acting because i feel like she was acting how a little girl would act in this situation yeah like even with her being smart, but she's still malleable. She's manipulatable because she's yes. a little girl. She wants you know to trust. She wants yeah, to she wa- And just like when she, you know, at the end, she was so excited to tell him that they were getting out. You know what I mean? And like, that's how it would have been. And it was like, oh, we got our way out. And then it was just like, when she realized the betrayal and you killed my dad and it was and just I thought that. you were my friend, Rainbird. And, and it was that moment. It was that moment of this whole movie. She's trying to keep it in check. The whole movie. She, I'd still back off. Just back off. Back off. That's what she would say if you haven't seen the movie. That was that was her little mechanism. That was to her be way able to of control calming herself down. She well, she let the beast her, out. To her inner just, fire person. Back right. off. Back off, back off, because she could kind of. It's and that's another thing that would have been dope in a in a sequel that was well done to really kind of explore how it works. You know, because it's like it's almost like this thing within her that she controls, but not really. It's like it's like it's like you're slightly out of control of it all the time. I remember um I was watching this guy talk about racing NASCAR, and he was like, "You're always slightly out of control of your mm. you know." of your car and it was just in that moment where the dad just realized that look these people are not reasonable they will not leave us alone they're not going to leave you alone and i won't be here to protect you because i'm dying so guess what take them down burn it all down Mm -hmm. and she just had this thing she was still you know crying she was still emotional but then when she walked out she had her marching orders baby and it wasn't nobody safe and i just you know the way and even how she was like she let the and i know we're already talking about the end so i gotta we gotta go back do it again do it again but, but i'm just saying like when she 
was was she melted all the locks for the horses? That was another one of my favorite parts. Cause she's like, all right, go go on now. Cause this it's about to get it's about to get hot around here. So y'all are innocent animals. I love horses. It was like clear everything out, and now I don't have no limits. I don't have no limits. The only people innocent, only entities innocent here are the horses, and they're gone. That's All right. Anybody else here. innocent will be running away right now. So if you hear, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's. Like and then all the ways they were blowing those people up, and like how they had the three dudes running away, <laughs> and she made a fire pass to all three of them, and like they blew all of them up. Man, I just love that scene. I, I just feel like they really knocked it out of the park. I'm surprised it wasn't successful, but again, I'm biased, so I don't know. But I just feel like well, in terms it had of- a lot of competition. Terminator was that oh. year, 1984. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, the only yeah. reason I even know, James was like, I think Terminator came out around that time. And it was literally the exact same year. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's and hard. so it might yeah, have been about the competition one. of the period. Yeah. And movies were were more fun back then. In the sense, yeah. In the sense of, you saw the trailer and you would just kind of go. And you would hope it was good. But you didn't realize, you know, you didn't, no, until you until you were in there. So, and the only way you could see it again was to to go in there. So, I, yeah, I don't. And I, you know, and, I at... and I don't know if this contributed to to the the reception of it. Yeah. But there was one bit of trivia I found on IMDb where they said that this movie can be considered as part of a late 1970s, early 1980s cycle of movies that dealt with telekinesis and psychokinesis. And the oh. pictures, it's a long list. Carrie. The Fury, The Cinder, Firestarter, Scanners, The Medusa Touch, Ruby, Jennifer, Patrick, The Dead Zone, oh, The Caribbean Witness, Zapped, Modern Problems. So it's like this, it was like a maybe the theme had was getting overdone. And you okay. know what? It's just crazy because who knows? History just repeats itself. Mm-hmm. That's it, it, it's like you find out what the is good, and then everybody just yeah, I remember we it, had so a yeah. vampire decade, didn't we? Like, I feel That's like a every, lot of vampires. We did have, a, we did have for some a vampires. long swath. Of Blade time. interview with a vampire. Tele- yeah, there was, there was, vampire television shows. Yeah. Vampire young adult books and movies. Yes. Yeah, we did vampire movies because of the adult books. Yes. So yeah, things. So I don't, all of those things probably contributed to to the reception. Yeah. Not being as as huge, you know, but it also didn't win any awards. I don't know whether y'all noticed in the opening. Normally, I'll talk about the awards the movie won. They didn't win any awards, you yeah. know. Drew Barrymore had she got like two nominations for like a a non major award. Mm-hmm. Okay, but there were no awards, y'all, which is so interesting. Yeah. But again, when I think about okay, Terminator came out. All right, well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it was some tough competition. I guess even if you're putting something in the words, using the word classic, you mm-hmm. normally would think about it having some awards. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. That, does it have a when you were doing your research? As I'm sure you did, tonight, does it have a cult following? Is it because I'm part of it? If it has one, you know what? I didn't read anything. You're about not. You're not following. good at your cult following if you don't know if there is one. <laughs> well, I'm a good. It has a cult following. Better question. Does this movie have a cult following of one? 
Or is it more than <laughs> well, one thing is for sure? I didn't read Why about do you pull up the website and it's Arby like <laughs> <laughs> with the fireball in the exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say it did I didn't read about there wasn't an apparent cult following like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Gotcha. So let me just say that it could be out there, but it wasn't as apparent. I'm just curious. It has to be there enough. That there was a follow-on series on sci-fi. Yeah. And then yeah. a full and then remake a yes. major so it has to be motion picture. Oh, something it's, is out, it's there. out there. You know, I well, I wanted to get into like, well, first of all, you know, everything that Aubrey was saying, I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was feeling the same way as I was watching it. But the larger part, I wanted to, uh, not a larger part, but a part that I don't know if this was supposed to be in there or not, and Janiya spoke about it some, but just like speaking about the government concerning poor people, um, the the so in the movie you're seeing which I enjoyed they were doing flashbacks, so you didn't just get like this full timeline, you were like in it and then you understood where you were in it, yeah, and so I like when they did that. Too. Yeah, that was good too. And so part of how um, Keith David and Heather Locklear's characters met. That's Andy and what's Heather Lockler's character's name? Vicky. Vicky. How they meet is that they're part of an experience, um, an experiment by the shop, which if you have ever grown up around any like university or anything like that, there's always something out there. Oh, do you want to participate in this test and you'll get paid for it? Totally. And so, and this was an experiment where there were like some, there was 10 participants and five were supposed to just get regular water. And then another five were going to get um, whatever this lot actual six. lot lot six, and so they were they don't know how it was supposed to react. Now some people were losing their mind. One guy he started bleeding from everywhere. His eyeballs were gone. I was like, well, what was in that lot? And so, uh, but what it did for, as she stated, it gave Vicky, you know, the powers and Andy the powers. And all I could think to myself is, and they never said how much they were getting paid, but all I could think to myself is how much were they paying them and how did they make this and how much did they need the money that you're willing to allow this government entity to inject something into you? And I just thought that that was just extremely interesting, just having that part and now you've participated, you've made your money. Now, all of a sudden, because it worked, you're now an enemy of the government and we need to track you and we need to keep you and we need to control you because the things that we put in you, they actually worked. Now, pause now, really quickly, sis, because they were not intending to make superheroes. Because remember, right. there was a doctor who was actually at the shop that was saying, we "Well, no, not that they were intending, but now what they did, right?" But, <laughs> but the reality of what yeah. happened was mm-hmm. that 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 that's happened. Also, oh, now we need to control you, and and we and I was just thinking so much of that is so a large part of what happens in our country of wanting to control people and manipulate or say, hey, do this and try this. And it's really an experiment. And there are so many just documented experiments of those types of things happen. One notable would be the Tuskegee experiment. And so you you just have these things going on and they're so silent. As I was talking about, they're silent, but they're in the open. How mm-hmm. awful is that? Mm-hmm. How terrible is that? Well, that was one of the things that I loved about 
movies back then is that it's not that movies weren't that were um devoid of messages messages emerged but it was more about the story like mm-hmm. they would write the story and then within the story of just life you know yes. you, you would see messages come out yeah. because if you're telling stories based on life the messages life are going to be there. there as opposed to how it is today where it's like you take a message and then you try to wrap a movie around it to, yes. to really and it's like the message almost gets lost because it's like you're beating somebody over the head with it whereas in this situation like a lot of the movies back then it's like look we're making a movie and then when you watch the movie you step back and say oh mm-hmm. this is talking about a larger conversation you know what I mean like, you yeah know, it's like it's like you're telling the movie you're like imagine telling the idea of this movie like yeah there are these people who took this experimental drug and it's like they're telling the story of a movie but also that actually happened which yeah. probably gave them another idea for the movie yeah. so yeah. so so i'm just saying when you're telling good stories the the messages are are going to be i think to your point even more impactful because and another just... one that was really present was about like the parental struggle to keep a child innocent in, yeah. in tough circumstances, you mm. know? And so those parents, like they were working so hard to make sure that, you know, little Charlie still just, you know, got to feel like a little girl, got to have some innocence about her, even though she had this, these powers and um, they were dealing with the pressure of this entity trying to find them. You yeah. Know? And I think about that, you know, parents trying to allow their children to have some innocence while, you know, there may be in a community that's being terrorized or marginalized and, you know, you just do the best you can. You yeah. Know? I think about, I love that, that, you know, just saying that because it, again, it's this one particular thing that's speaking to larger parts of what is happening in society and what is happening to different communities and in different ways. Um, but I will say on the lighter side, <laughs> I was texting, I, I went back to texting Aubrey and Janaya. I know I used to do that in past seasons. I haven't really done that quite a bit <laughs> with these past movies. But the first thing I thought to myself well, let is... Me, let me clarify this for our newer listeners and viewers. When Brittany <laughs> says she texts us, what she's actually doing is texting 100% of her reactions while she's watching it's the every... movie. So every, it, it could be mm-hmm. every second. She's sending a message for the entirety mm-hmm. of the That's movie. That's why I had to zone out on the three Whatever pops mm-hmm. into her mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just want to clarify mm-hmm. what the experience is for, for her loved ones. Mm-hmm. Please continue. So first of all, I just want to say you're welcome. <laughs> that's that's first and foremost okay because one, one day one day i'm gonna have to sh- i might post i have a folder on my computer saved from both of y'all with um g- watching game of thrones <laughs> i have <laughs> some of those might need to be censored some of my sisters are already dramatic but like what, it, what especially the first like seasons of this one of the things I text them was, how do you discipline a child that can burn you when you get mad? Yeah, it's tough. How do you... Tough situation. Stop. So, and there's a part in the movie where um, Charlie wants to continue to try to test her powers out, but she needs to go to bed. And her mom is like, no, tomorrow at breakfast, we can try again. And she gets upset. No, I want to do it right now. And catches her mom's 
um not mittens are gloves what are the gloves called cooking gloves cooking cooking gloves gloves. i don't know oven mitts thank you yeah she catches her oven mitts on fire and burns her mom's hands and i was just like how do you discipline this child like because she's not meaning to do it but it's happening because she's upset about it Mm -hmm. and so i thought that that was a hilarious thing and i think i I think that really speaks to the writing because the thing about it is it's hard to remember when you were a kid you know like Mm -hmm. really remember but like back in the day if your parents did something to you or whatever like you might have really hated them for that yes hour or whatever like like i mean you packed your clothes to run away it it was a serious (laughs) like it was you know it's funny now but like in the moment like, oh, I hate you. You, you know, like you're really. I can't stand you. It, it's the most important thing that's ever happened to you. <laughs> yes. The stakes and, are extremely high for you <laughs> as a child in those moments. And I'm just saying to Brittany's point, that is a touchy situation because however she's being governed by those emotions at that moment, but you're telekinetic. That is a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous situation. Absolutely. It's not like a little like, oh, you know, oh, little Bobby, he's like, you know, go to your room. And it's like he slams the door. No, this is like if she slams the door, the whole house could catch on fire. Yeah. What is happening? Which if you all noticed in parts of the movie, you see that um the part when Andy finds his wife dead, where he goes home and sees that his wife and daughter are not like accessible. They're not at the house, but he finds his wife. She's dead. And then he's running around looking for Andy. But as he's running around, there are literally fire extinguishers in every part of the house. They're in the hallways. It's on the stairwells in every room. Wow, like, I didn't catch know. that, sis. Thank I was like, they were like, listen, we don't know what's going to happen. We got to be able to put that you out. That was a good catch. And so um, I thought that that was really interesting, but I wanted the other part that I got even better. (laughs) Totally. One part that I also wanted to name, listen, this little farm couple, let me tell you something. Before we we leave um, Charlie's innocence, you know, I know we're talking about the story and the writing and how well they wrote that dilemma of raising the child with all of this complexity. I have to talk a little bit about the acting. Drew Barrymore, as a little child actress, eight years old, she had to convey that complexity. And she She killed it. And she did. The complexity of, I am just a kid and I have this thing in me that is bad and they call it bad. You know, and it's like, you don't want to say something that is innate to your child is bad, but it's like, you know, setting fires, it's hard to think of what good will come of this. You right. know? And so they're they're trying to teach her how to control it and to still be proud of who she is and to understand that all of this was, this happened to them, you know, and there's nothing that they can do about it. Mm, um, and it that deep, little honey. Drew Barrymore, she did so well. There was this one scene where they had finally found a, a quiet place to sleep. Um, you know, they had made their way to an abandoned family cabin. Um, and they just had one night of good rest. And the dad was like, are you okay? How are you doing? And she was like, I feel safe. You know, yeah. and that's one of those lines that could look, could be so corny if it is not delivered well. Mm. It's like, you feel safe, little girl. Like, why would you say that as a child? But the she she delivered that line so well. A tear may or may not have trickled down my face because yeah. she was like, She's gone through so much in these few years she's been alive. Yeah. She's gone through so much. Yeah. It, it, it was just, 
interesting that I did not feel like I was watching somebody acting when it came to her. Because even, even the moments where she was corny, like like when they were in the um when they were in the testing facility, right? And she told the doctor, you know, you may want to back up, right? It was corny the way she said it. But that's how a little, a little girl would have delivered it in that moment. She would have did it exactly like that. She would have been a little arrogant, a little, you know, just. I'm about that's to do exactly my thing, you know? Been. Yeah. yeah if, if she would have been too good, it wouldn't have rung true. It was like she knew how to channel her youth and innocence into these different yes. situations that made yes made you feel like she was really reacting, you know, yes. so that, that was that, that. And one more little piece yeah. before we move to the next thing is that thank you for, you're going to take us to the next topic that um, in the remake, the, 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 the major picture, the 2022 remake, one. Yes. The okay. 2022 with Zac Efron. Okay. <laughs> in that one, they have changed up the parents' perspectives a little bit. In hmm. the movie, in the 1984 Firestarter, they are trying to train her to use her powers from the very beginning. They want her to know how to harness them and how to use them. In the remake, the dad is telling her never to use her powers. Mm. So she just doesn't know how to use them. And so that's what ends up happening when she explodes at school. It's because she's not been working with the powers and doesn't know how to use them. And she's afraid okay. of them. And she's ashamed of them. Man, um, they should have sent her to the X-Men school. <laughs> right but you remember that's also the premise of frozen the animated movie frozen yeah where it's like yeah. they didn't want her to use her ice powers but then it was like these ice powers coming out listen know? let it let it go uh, yeah hello let it go, see, even, it's going. Even, that, even that even that and, and, and obviously if, if drew barrymore had that girl on i mean i guess she must have liked the movie on some level. The new, the, the remake. He did. She was but very just, emotional. She thought it was well done. But, but I'm just saying, well, even true. that makes less sense than the original premise of, uh, you know, it's like that dad was a dad trying to figure this out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, like he, he knew, like, I'm not trying to get her to not do this is ridiculous. Like that, that yeah. is not, that's not going to work. And I'm just saying, in terms of parenting, to me, that is a much better method mm -hmm. of parenting, mm -hmm. of, of realizing my child has this mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. And this is on a level that I have to teach them how to live with this. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I have to teach them how to live with this. Oh, because bro, you just made me think about the fact that, like, what we've talked about before about, like, being raised to 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 never talk about sex sex is sex is for grown-ups that's for, and a we beautiful never talk example. about it you don't it's a beautiful it's, example right we it's never talk about it it's the devil don't go there and nothing good can come of it and then what ends up happening is you are a child growing up you become a teen you are a sexual creature because you've got it's just the, the facts of biology here. There's some regular organs happening. And if you and you <laughs> haven't had those conversations, what happens? Right? Absolutely. I mean, there's we it's just you're in a situation you're completely unprepared for. Yep. You, you see what I'm saying? Because it's like 
when you're in, because imagine that the a parent trying to tell you not to use your powers as example. Now we're in a situation where you can't control it. It's completely foreign. Who, who knows exactly right. what's going to happen? So I'm just saying that's all, the fact that he was such a good parent is what made the, it hit so hard when he got shot because it was Man. like he was doing everything he could. He was trying to get her to look. And you even saw they didn't make him perfect. No. Because because even there was times where he was like, you got to learn how to control <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, he was like, let me, you know, like, but that's what would happen yeah. in that situation where it's like, you love your daughter. You also love your wife. It's, your daughter is burning your wife's hands up. And you're like, this was bad. It could have been worse. You got all these things going on. Yeah. And I'm just saying. You what, have to what, learn what the implications, the potential implications. Th but you also need consequences for what just happened here. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Right, right, right. So what's the balance? And, Always and with I, the mindset that she might burn you up next. That's right. Well, you know what the funny thing <laughs> is? Point. I think if he had a list of concerns, that was probably the least of it. Like, sure. like, he, like sure. he, he was, I, I'm not saying that he wanted to get burned up, but like his thought was, how can I get her to be able to survive yes. in this world? Yes. Like he was just so you know, consumed with that. I don't think he, he can. Well, you know what, bro? I love that you said that because that was one of the things that I was going to mention is that while this is an action, horror, thriller, all the genres, <laughs> I also, I it was also a bit of a drama mm. um, in the sense that I loved it portraying this relationship between a father and a daughter. Because mm -hmm. um, what you just said, bro, is what I think every father does for children, period. But the way fathers raise daughters, it is, I need to make sure that you are prepared for what is happening in this world. Mm -hmm. It is, I need to make sure that you are self-sufficient and that you can thrive and survive and that certain things don't rattle you and that you can move forward. Mm -hmm. um, I think about our father doing that for all three of us. But another thing I wanted to name was just about the farm couple. Listen, mm -hmm. let me tell you something. If I'm ever out here and I need somebody to protect, I want to run into the farm couple. One of the government agents are changing their tires on the side of the road and they see the father and daughter inside the pickup truck with the older man. And one of the government agents writes down the license plate. So of course they track them to the house. And so they're on their way there. The little daughter warns them and the father in this moment is like, listen, you got to do what you got to do. You know, if you're not bad, she's like, but will you be mad at me? He's like, no, you need to do that. And let me tell you, she does what she does. But before she does what she does, the husband is like, do you want me to get my deer gun? I was like, I was like he was ready to ride or die. He didn't understand the situation, but all he knew is that these were some, it was an innocent father trying to protect his innocent daughter. And he was ready to go. And, and then man. when the shot even, arrived, even, even, when the bad guys arrived on his front lawn, he was on the porch with his gun. Like, this is private property. And unless you have a warrant. Look, and I, he said, I didn't you, move the turkey. That, what did but he that, say? <laughs> those characters rang very true as well. Yes, they and, did. And, and, and yes. I, you know, since I, I don't move it to the South. I have met people like that. It's like those characters ring true because yeah, because they it, were so real. Well, you, I'm telling you, you will meet some people down here. It's like you come up on my land. I don't care 
what government you talk about. Like, listen, like, I used to live in Mississippi. <laughs> I used to live in Mississippi. If you want the smoke, listen, they're bringing the fire. That's right. Understand. That's and right. I just, when, when he, I promise you, when he said it about that gun, but then he walked out with it. I yeah, said, he walked out with it. Load it up. Yeah, <laughs> ready to go. He was ready. ready. To go. And when he said, he, he talked about it before he brought it out. We, I didn't move the turkey. He said, "This is in America. You need it. That's right. Need That's right. I was like, yes. He was with the shit, and I was like, I love this so much. And it's so. But, but it wasn't. But it wasn't the point of. It wasn't even corny. It was like it wasn't. That's corny. how it would be if it you was, was in so Tennessee, <laughs> and this dude decided to bring you to his house. That's how it would be." That's exactly. That's it. Was, yeah. It was so authentic. Yeah, so I just I appreciate that so much. And y'all, and, and I have to say, those two actors, listen, they did not have like I don't know what would constitute a major role, right? In this family, right, right. But they just had that one little couple of scenes. But those are serious actors. So yeah. I wanted to tell you, like um, Louise Fletcher, who played the mother, Norma Man, the wife, Norma Manders. Yeah, she has her. a Golden Globe. For one flew over the cuckoo's nest. These wow. are award-winning people. The um man who played Irv Manders, he's actually, you know the show The Honeymooners? Yeah. yeah. He's the skinny guy. Oh, the honeymooners. Wow. Yes. and he won an Academy Award for Best Actor for his 1974 performance as Harry Combs um in Harry and Tonto. Oh, well, this is why they did so well. We yeah, <laughs> these were experts. I mean, they they played that those parts. These so were well. serious <laughs> actors at the time, even you know. Yeah. James was like, you couldn't con like put together a cast of equivalent actors right now because it would be too expensive. Yeah, no, he it, was it, like it, this it, was it, a bunch of heavy hitters. Yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah now the I, I I can't even really think of like the movie was definitely a nineteen eighties movie. Yeah. Sure, you know, it, like we can't really talk about the soundtrack because it was a score. It was kind of yeah, it was like, a score. Yeah, yeah. that sound? See, that's back when it, there's this one dude on uh on uh YouTube Shorts, and he played like he'll be like when it's 1980 and you're a cop getting off of work, and he'll play because play, <laughs> you know? all that movie, all that yeah, music, yeah, it sounded, 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 sounded kind of the same, but. I'm just saying, so in terms of the acting of, of it, it's just interesting to see. It's like, yo, you don't got a whole bunch of, you know, stuff around that, but the act, the whole concept behind it was different. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? yeah. Well, the last thing I'll say, and I'm done, mm -hmm. this was the last, was the man that played John or the, what's his name? Rupert, what was his last name? John Rainbird. John Rainbird. George C. Scott. This is another heavy hitter. Listen they had here, to go George back C. and Scott. renegotiate their budget to be able to afford him. Let me tell That's you something. That's what you need to know. He played the mess out of this character that was insane. <laughs> this man Basically, I, I'm like, at some point, I'm pretty sure he was like a regular thinking person, but then he went into the military and he is like, all is war. And so, and I don't care who you are, small or big, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Adult, child, if it's time for you to go, it's time for you to go. And then when I go, because he had a nice monologue talking about when he dies, wherever he goes, he said, he'll be laughing in that place and, and like telling stories. And I was like, oh, Oh, you're you're a little you're a little touched, and so I just want to name how well he did in this movie 
George, of- George C. Scott has an Academy Award, two Golden Globes, two Primetime Emmy Awards, nominations for, for two BAFTA Awards, two Screen Actors Guild Awards, and five Tony Awards. Listen. That's also, that guy. Listen. Now, was he playing an indigenous person? And he's not an indigenous person? Yes. Okay, but I didn't realize than, that that's what he was doing. Well, his I name didn't... was Rainbird. And he had a ponytail, which is one of the, you know, indicators in a tropish way. Oh, I just thought that was his last name. Rainbird? I, I wasn't, wait, it's wait, just, wait, 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 since wait. I promise you, I don't even remember them, like, making any, he just, because especially when well, he was, like, he made it the story about him going and fighting yeah, with his, the Kongs, like, his name is John Rainbird. His name yeah. is John Rainbird. But um, well, I will say this. In the they actually let me see here. So if you actually go to the Stephen King fandom space, yeah. Okay. John Rainbird is a Native American who's scarred because of the Vietnam War. And he's lost an eye and is an agent and assassin of the shop. Well, listen. I'm going to pretend like I yeah, don't. Know I, I, I don't want I mean, to. Tell, but, they, but I don't feel like they did anything in the movie. To, like they didn't have him do something. Right, like he didn't like, you know other, I mean? like, like other than the ponytail, and and he he made a little comment about the gods and spirits. Other than that, I don't think they did anything tropish. Like they didn't have him yeah, talking they, 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 English they, or something. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I've you never. Know. I just because some. I mean, yes. some people just wear ponytails, man. You know, like well, if right. fire started to rekindle, they actually. I think they did cast a uh, an actual person. indigenous person. Uh, indigenous. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. I did not realize that at all. Maybe I yeah, just missed either. something. But either, but just as this character, him going in and the way they wrote him to be this man that he will he hunts his prey. And he will hunt his prey in any way that he needs to. Yes. So to have him go into a mode of like, how do I get Charlie? Because they, while she they captured them, they want Charlie to to use her powers because they want to see how powerful she is. How do I get Charlie to get comfortable enough? Mm. He creates this character, an orderly that's just supposed to a janitor that comes to clean her room. And then in the moment, he's like, I need to find something. So there happens to be a storm that takes the power out of the plantation house that they're staying in. And he uses that as a way to say basically that he has PTSD from the war, from the Vietnam War. And I was like, this man is a sadistic insane genius and how oh, he's he, manipulating he's a, this let me, entire let me, read you, let me read you his they did his, very his well wiki with that character let me read you his <laughs> wiki description on the stephen king fandom page okay? okay and of course this is about it's about the book and the movies scholar you know. what you doing where you going i know she's banging on the table she's <laughs> clamping on my thigh it's ridiculous <laughs> John Rainbird was played by George C. Scott in the 1984 movie adaptation. He is a Native American working as an agent slash assassin for the shop, and he is a badly scarred Vietnam veteran. He is also a psychopath obsessed with wanting to know what is beyond life through his victims, which is why he likes to kill them while he can look into their eyes and watch them die correspondingly. And we saw him do that. It also gives him a feeling of power, which he wants to take with him after his death. He plans to kill Charlie because he is convinced her death would give him special power, which he wants to take to the other world. 
he killed Andy McGee and Joseph Wanless. After killing Andy, he tried to kill Andy's daughter, Charlie McGee, which he intended to do from the beginning once the shop had finished with their experiments on her. But she melted the bullet and burnt him to death in the book. Oh, uh, she's... When she stopped, that, when she stopped that bullet, that's and it what, exploded. That's what starts the whole. Oh. And I, I'm just telling you. Anyway, that's not the point of what we're talking about. The the, you know what's interesting is that that would have. I never got that at all, but I'm saying, if this person was somebody who was into mystical. Like it would have made it make more sense why he was so obsessed with her, and so they probably could have fleshed that part out a little more. I heard him say it. I, I, no, he know. said it. Yeah, he said it. He but said it was it just in like, a kind of weird way. But he was also such a psychopath, right? That yeah, like, that's what I was just thinking. Like just some I, crazy I just, rhetoric. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying that would have been interesting though yeah. to go down a path of, you know, because even if they left him white. He could have, you know, spent some time with some Native Americans or something and, you know, had misconstrued totally, something or, totally. or, or something, you he know, like, something. Yeah, but, but I'm just saying, he changed his last name, but he was just bird, so but it's actually Smith, you know what I mean? But he was that just that so evil that he was a, no. a truly, and I'm going to tell you, it's interesting watching people play psychopaths like that. Because they go into danger with no concern. No, there, there's this there's this show. It's called um, The Boys, right? And it's it's out now, and it's a it's a superhero show, but it's a superhero show that's it's hard to explain. It's like based in the real world. It's mm -hmm. like what would happen if there were um, actual, you know, what I'm saying superhero people in the in the world yeah and the most powerful of them is this guy called homelander you know what i'm saying and the way that it's it's based in today so like superheroes are famous people they're celebrities and they're all part of this company and the company has a you know the ceo he's played by um oh we just watched one of his movies uh Jean Giancarlo Esposito so he plays the CEO or whatever and Homelander is so powerful he can hear people's heartbeats like he knows if you're nervous mm. and the wow. point is the like point Daredevil. is the only person who Homelander is scared of is I'm, his name is uh, Edgar or something Stan Edgar so the only person he's like has pause is Stan Edgar. And Stan Edgar is just a normal person. He's just a regular, he doesn't have no powers or anything. He just runs the company, but he is truly not scared of Homelander. So like when Homelander hears his heart, he's like, it's the leg going up. He's mad and nuts. Yeah, he's just But a point I'm just trying to say is, it's interesting to watch people really play psychopaths. Yeah. Because, because when you're a psychopath, you're not affected by the same emotions that other people have yes. and it's just like he was so hell-bent on just destroying this little girl or doing whatever yes, and he, he had no qualms about it no. at all and it was just he wanted it, to do a violent he wanted to chop her in the nose so her yes. bones could fly into her brain i mean i was like it, yeah. 
And then he said, when she dies, I'm going to feel her power. Her power is going to come into me. And then he was talking about his own death. Like, I hope my death is soon. And I'm like, I hope so too. Please, because you don't need to be walking around here. I'd rather have somebody reading my brain and controlling me than you. I don't know what's happening here. Yes. uh, So he did that character very well. Yeah. Even, Even their interactions, it's like, you see what he's doing, but it's like, I'm an adult. Charlie yeah. would not see at all what he was doing. No. And there's another acting performance I want to call out, which is Moses Gunn, who plays the doctor at uh, the, the scientist at the shop. Mm-hmm. He plays Dr. Pincho. That was a satisfying death too. Oh man. Did you all remember him? He was bumpy from Shaft. He was bumpy Jonas. Baby yeah. boo. Yeah. <laughs> from our review of Shaft. Baby, baby series. Yeah, so I thought he did a really good job because he's one of those people that's like, he's a bad guy because all he cares about is the science. And it's like, you don't even care about these people. And that's what makes him a bad guy. You know? Listen, and let me tell you something. I want to be clear because I was thinking about in real terms (laughs) when some people, the people that ran when they first saw the farm, uh, the, the barn, catch on fire that would have been me by the time she was having balls of fire come out the sky and trails of fire following people i would have been at home showered really? and eating dinner and that's <laughs> why i would have never listen that's yes. why she could let loose because yes. <laughs> like i said anybody who's still if you're still here you ain't innocent I'm you, sorry. You the people that were running into the house to get away from her, I said, "You done, girl." I hope you were running in there to get your car keys because your purse is in the other room. Because I would have been, hey. and then they closed the gates. I would have been running my Honda Elantra through the gates. Y'all need to open up. She's hey. lo- she's loose. She's loose now. Did y'all see what she did to us in her block? I'm just near bones. I'm the gone. One, the one, I'm absolutely the gone. These, no, no, no. <laughs> the one thing I never understand in these movies. Is when you shoot somebody and it's completely ineffective. I don't know why people keep doing it. Why like, like, come back? Like it wasn't like those it's bullets like hit her my gun will and work. slowed her down a little bit. Right. You're seeing the bullets aren't even reaching her. No, they what are bouncing off her aura. <laughs> the one man so, came after the machine gun with his one little pistol. I, I said, sir, you deserve to blow up. Yeah, you you deserve, I was like, and, you and deserve that, it. And it allowed me to fully enjoy that scene. Yeah. It, it just cool. Really, because, cool. Look at her like, like this. It's just like all of y'all deserve like, it. Even the doctor who he sat around there for like two minutes. You could have been gone, bro. Gone. Now, now you try to run. Yeah, nope. part of him wanted to see what would happen. That's the problem. Listen, and guess and what? Let me you saw what happened and you up see. close. Yeah. And I don't think you understood. It's a golf cart. It wasn't getting up to 100 miles per hour. No, no. You would have <laughs> had better chance on your feet. I was like, like the helicopter didn't make it. What were you about to do? That's my question. What were you doing? And then the helicopter you know coming around. You know what's interesting about this movie is that it got it has these. Uh, not sequels or you know follow-ups and then it has a sequel but it didn't make any money the rotten tomato score is like really low mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying it's it you know 40 uh for 38 percent for the critics and 53 percent for the audience mm-hmm. and so I just wonder and again I know I'm biased because I just it came into my life where 
I was probably excited to watch anything on TV and it just built on top of that. You know what I'm saying? Because even back then. And, and we were kids and she was a kid and it was just. Yeah, like, we were yeah. kids. She was a kid. And, and, and remember how like you could, when you wanted to watch a movie, you had to get ready. So it's like, they'd be like, fire starter this Friday, eight o'clock. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yes lead up to it you had to sacrifice whatever else was on tv to, <laughs> to watch which you were and so it was just a very special time but it's just interesting it's one of those movies that i don't know if i'm just tripping but i really enjoyed it and well, I really, why, don't I think we, why don't we go to the vote then yeah, let's go to the say it sounds like we voting already well let me be the one little tidbit one little tidbit. trivia on the effects because again it was yes you know Talk about so it. In a 2010 interview, director Mark L. Lester confirmed that this was the most difficult film he ever made. Mm. He said that, this is the quote, that was all practical effects. The fireballs you see, that's not CGI. Back then, we actually created fireballs that could fly through the air. They were on a wire and could crash into buildings. We had people on fire that were on trampolines that had to flip through the air. It was very dangerous. All the effects were done right on the set. It was a pretty intense thing to do then. And I actually watched a couple of, of little behind the scenes videos and you see the stuntmen, okay? They're suiting up. They only have 90 seconds before they either burn or suffocate in the suit. And they have to do the scene. They have to hit the marks. Like you have to flip here, you know? And they have to do it in 90 seconds. And then some, like four people rush up and fire extinguish them, you know? And well, this, let me let you is, know. This is no CGI. I'ma just say, I don't know if you will ever watch this. Any of you people who worked on fire starter and i'm just letting you know you got somebody who appreciated it I listen you did me thank you you did that thing things. you did that <laughs> well take us thank to the you. vote i had to get that one little trivia in take us to the vote take us to the vote bro well obviously <laughs> i was i and not only did i like this movie i was literally on my feet i really was i, I was we, we were in the dead and watching it and Mara loves watching me watch movies that I, <laughs> but I'm sorry. When she stops that bullet, because <laughs> what sets it off, he shoots her, her dad. They go through their, you know, whatever. But when he tries to kill her and that bullet just stops, they got a little more emotion to do. And after that, it's on. And that scene still gets me on my feet. So, yes, this is, it gets my fireball 100%. This is a classic from the Aubrey perspective. <laughs> well, I wanted to tell y'all, I, and I shared this with Brittany, I could not remember the details of the movie from when we were little, but I remembered how it made me feel. I remember being exhilarated by the movie. Right. I genuinely remembered that. And so when I was watching, I couldn't remember any of the details, but I started it with just this, the remembering how good it made me feel. And y'all, it didn't disappoint. I was exhilarated through this movie and I was genuinely, genuinely shocked to see that it did not win awards. That is how much I was exhilarated by the movie. Oh Are God. there some things that I think they could have done differently? Yes. I did think it was strange when they gave Charlie a little bit. They gave us one scene where she had a premonition, 
one scene in the whole movie. So it wasn't like she was consistently having premonitions. So that was a little weird. You're talking and about the, when she was at the um they were at the farm. That, when house, they were at the farm. And she was like, they're coming. And the dad was like, they are, you know? Uh, I think they I think they did that a couple times. I well, they, anyway, they did but, it but twice at the farmhouse. So at the farmhouse, okay. she looked in her dad's eyes and she said, You oh, okay. Okay. She knew her dad had told the truth to the farmer and his wife. Number one, that was just, a, and then she also knew that the people were coming. Gotcha. It, anyway, it just they didn't make it a consistent enough second pass. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Um, and it was something because I was like, girl, when all them full people came out when you were at that little lick house, I was like, you didn't know. Yeah, you didn't know that it's they like were there. If she had oh. the power of premonition, then they would have been developing that power alongside her fireball power. Yeah, and she didn't know that ring that ring bird was lying. No. No. What, so when she did do premonition type things, they weren't surprised. The dad wasn't surprised, which means that it was something that was there. Okay, y'all weren't, yeah. weren't no, yeah, yeah, you're right. So I struggle with that. What and also with the name? dad, they had they had made it such a believable mind control power. It was so believable. But then when he's getting his powers back, he when he he outsmarts the shop and he's getting his powers back, he uses his mind to change the channel on the TV. I was like, oh, so now you can control stuff too? No, he, he did. He, he could have been no, having he, cars. No, he, he, been... he did that. He did something with that before. I can't remember. That was the first time he was telekinetic. He did something else. He he did it at oh, the pay machine. The, he the got yes, he did it at the phone machine. Well, that's, that's what I'm trying to remember. What is it? Pay phone. I, I call it a pay machine. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Ah, what is yeah, that? So he. <laughs> I thought. I thought that. I guess my general comment is their use of the secondary powers was 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 inconsistent mm -hmm. so he he got coins out of a phone and he turned channels on a tv we never saw him do anything that would help them like move a car but but, it, but it may be, he could have he could have like i don't know it just felt but, like but i'm gonna tell you with that one though i feel like it, it seemed like it was more taxing on him to do that uh, okay that, I, that, I, I felt like that so he one, was they using did. it judiciously yeah so it's like okay you know and, and he could that. do little stuff like I could get some coins, but look how hard he had to. It was standing there for it like was 30 literally seconds. making his nose bleed. And it's like I could switch these TV stations a little bit, but you know, the, but the I so I felt that one was more consistent. I think but that you, makes me feel a little better about yeah, it. Yeah, but right, but you're right it was, about it was the, him being judicious about using the power because it was taking his life force out. Yeah, yeah, but that well, but that I never noticed that about Charlie though, and that I, I noticed it, but I didn't think about it in that way. Yeah, I, I definitely about thought yeah, about definitely it when Rainbird was in the tree and she was just walking outside wanting to hold the, the cans no. in the box. I was like, girl, you don't feel that? Oh. I just <laughs> wish that if they had even shown us That's one old. little blip of the of the mother and father trying to train her on how to use it. If they had just given us that little bit, it would have been enough to, for us yeah. to know that if it was still inconsistent, it wasn't for lack of them trying to harness it. Yeah. Um, That's all. That's but right. I have to be honest with you all. That is all I got in terms of what I would do differently. Um, I even had to sit for a while and say to myself, did I find that ending satisfying where she goes to back to the farm family and, and back to the farm couple and then ends up being able to complete her father's plan of going to the press? Is that satisfying? And I sat with it and I thought it would not be satisfying in 2023. Because going to the New York Times, what are you doing? You're not really accomplishing much. But at that time, going to the press 
for like this is when in like this was it was a completely different time yeah. in terms of the role of the media and society um and so yeah i had to sit with it and be like yeah that was a satisfying ending you know so yeah even with some contemplation this movie gets my fireball Sis? well i will absolutely say um it does get my fireball and it gets my fireball because although sometimes you don't like how things can go sometimes you get an opportunity to feel the vindication with a character to know that this organization had been controlling her family's lives took the life of her mother took the life of her father and has her with this superpower that she doesn't really want. They've lied to her. They've stolen her. They've tracked her. They have ruined her life. To be able to see her go off at the end, <laughs> as soon as I, as soon as she, she stopped them the crying a little bit, I said audibly, light it up. Light I was up. like, light it up, girl. Light it light up. Light up, girlfriend. Burn it all down. People, burn, it all down. burn it down. You're doing what so many people want to do mm -hmm. when they have been wronged multiple times and they've been trying to keep it together. Yes. They've been trying so hard. And then you're a child. You have literally stolen my life. Yes. We're done here. Yes. And can I, I so. Can I tell you, <laughs> you just made me think of something that I cannot forget. Because after she was all done, she even gave us the 1980s line for you, daddy. Yes. Yes. Oh, and I was like, that should be corny to me. But I just. It was so satisfying. It was. Listen. It was. Watching her light it up as she was crying and then holding the tears back and then letting them flow. I was like, yes, get it all out. Get it all out. I was, I loved every second of it. And then I, it was almost like the movie was responding to my thought process. Cause I was just like, what is she going to do now? She doesn't have any adults around her, you know, in a situation. I'm thinking like, she can't go to CPS. Like what's happening here? I was so, <laughs> I was so happy when I saw her go back to the farm family mm -hmm. because again, that farm husband <laughs> she knew she was going to be protected yes and she, she knew that they were going to love her yes, so anyway i will say i enjoyed this movie and if i ever was like i wouldn't necessarily because i i purchased it to watch it i probably wouldn't purchase it again but if it ever comes on television i will sit and watch it because i yeah. enjoyed it and drew yeah. barrymore you're amazing so you know just and this yeah, was a shout great out to drew barrymore y'all yeah, if was... you just google list of drew barrymore movies it is so much. It's so She's much. She's done a lot. Contributed so much, you know? So there you have it, folks. Wait, Skylar, fine. You give your review. What did you think? What did you think? She didn't like it. Is it a, is it a classic? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, one thing is for sure. This diaper I have on is not a classic. Change Listen, it, Mom. <laughs> um, we ended perfectly. I'm happy that she don't have no fireballs. <laughs> she be lighting you up right now. <laughs> well, I think one of the two of you should say our closing statement. <laughs> well, everyone, as you can see, it is a classic from the right perspective. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, we love you. Uh, we appreciate love you, you audience. I love you, bro. And sis. Everybody have a good day. <laughs>